Chapter Sixteen of Clotel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Clotel by William Wells Brown. Chapter Sixteen: The Death of the Parson. Carlton was above thirty years of age, standing on the last legs of a young man, and entering on the first of a bachelor. He had never dabbled in matters of love, and looked upon all women alike although he respected woman for her virtues and often spoke of the goodness of the heart of the sex he had never dreamed of marriage at first he looked upon miss peck as a pretty young woman but after she became his religious teacher he regarded her in that light that every one will those whom they know to be their superiors it was soon seen however that the young man not only respected and reverenced georgiana for the incalculable service she had done him in awakening him to a sense of duty to his soul but he had learned to bow to the shrine of Cupid. He found, weeks after he had been in her company, that when he met her at table, or alone in the drawing-room, or on the piazza, he felt a shortness of breath, a palpitating of the heart, a kind of dizziness of the head, but he knew not its cause. This was love in its first stage. Mr. Peck saw, or thought he saw, what would be the result of Carlton's visit, and held out every inducement in his power to prolong his stay. The hot season was just commencing, and the young northerner was talking of his return home, when the parson was very suddenly taken ill. The disease was the cholera, and the physicians pronounced the case incurable. In less than five hours John Peck was a corpse. His love for Georgiana and respect for her father had induced Carlton to remain by the bedside of the dying man, although against the express orders of the physician. This act of kindness caused the young orphan henceforth to regard Carlton as her best friend. He now felt it his duty to remain with the young woman until some of her relations should be summoned from Connecticut. After the funeral, the family physician advised that Miss Peck should go to the farm and spend the time at the country seat, and also advised Carlton to remain with her, which he did. At the parson's death, his negroes showed little or no signs of grief. This was noticed by both Carlton and Miss Peck, and caused no little pain to the latter. "'They are ungrateful,' said Carlton, as he and Georgiana were seated on the piazza. "'What,' asked she, "'have they to be grateful for?' "'Your father was kind, was he not?' "'Yes, as kind as most men who own slaves, but the kindness meted out to blacks would be unkindness if given to whites. We should think so, should we not?' "'Yes,' replied he. If we would not consider the best treatment which a slave receives good enough for us, we should not think he ought to be grateful for it. Everybody knows that slavery in its best and mildest form is wrong. Whoever denies this, his lips libel his heart. Try him, clank the chains in his ears, and tell him they are for him. Give him an hour to prepare his wife and children for a life of slavery. Bid him make haste, and get ready their necks for the yoke, and their wrists for the coffle chains. Then look at his pale lips and trembling knees, and you have nature's testimony against slavery. Let's take a walk, said Carlton, as if to turn the conversation. The moon was just appearing through the tops of the trees, and the animals and insects in an adjoining wood kept up a continued din of music. The croaking of bullfrogs, buzzing of insects, cooing of turtle doves, and the sound from a thousand musical instruments, pitched on as many different keys, made the welkin ring. But even all this noise did not drown the singing of a party of the slaves, who were seated near a spring that was sending up its cooling waters. How prettily the negroes sing! 
remarked Carlton, as they were wending their way towards the place from whence the sound of the voices came. "'Yes,' replied Georgiana. "'Master Sam is there, I warrant you. He's always on hand when there's any singing or dancing. We must not let him see us, or they will stop singing.' "'Who makes their songs for them?' inquired the young man. "'Oh, they make them up as they sing them. They are all impromptu songs.' By this time they were near enough to hear distinctly every word, and true enough, Sam's voice was heard above all the others. At the conclusion of each song, they all joined in a hearty laugh with an expression of, "'That's the song for me. Dems, dems.' "'Stop,' said Carlton, as Georgiana was rising from the log upon which she was seated. "'Stop, and let's hear this one.' The piece was sung by Sam, the others joining in the chorus, and was as follows. "'Sam. Come, all my brethren, let us take a rest, while the moon shines so brightly and clear. Old master is dead, and left us at last, and has gone at the bar to appear. Old master has died, and lying in his grave, and our blood will a while cease to flow.' He will no more trample on the neck of the slave, for he's gone where the slaveholders go. Chorus. Hang up the shovel and the hoe, take down the fiddle and the bow. Old master has gone to the slaveholders' rest. He has gone where they all ought to go. Sam. I heard the old doctor say the other night, as he passed by the dining-room door, perhaps the old man may live through the night, but I think he will die about four. Young mistress sent me at the peril of my life for the parson to come down and pray. For, says she, your old master is now about to die. And says I, God speed him on his way. Hang up the shovel and the hoe, take down the fiddle and the bow. Old master has gone to the slaveholder's rest. He has gone where they all ought to go. At four o'clock at morn the family was called, around the old man's dying bed. And, oh, but I laughed to myself when I heard that the old man's spirit had fled. Mr. Carlton cried, and so did I pretend. Young mistress very nearly went mad. And the old parson's groans did the heavens fairly rend. But I tell you, I felt mighty glad. Hang up the shovel and the hoe, take down the fiddle and the bow. Old master has gone to the slaveholder's rest. He has gone where they all ought to go. We'll no more be roused by the blowing of his horn. Our backs no longer he will score. He no more will feed us on cotton seeds and corn, for his reign of oppression now is o'er. He no more will hang our children on the tree to be ate by the carrion crow. He no more will send our wives to Tennessee for he's gone where the slaveholders go. Hang up the shovel and the hoe, take down the fiddle and the bow. We'll dance and sing and make the forest ring with the fiddle and the old banjo. The song was not half finished before Carlton regretted that he had caused the young lady to remain and hear what to her must be anything but pleasant reflections upon her deceased parent. I think we will walk, said he, at the same time extending his arm to Georgiana. No, said she, let's hear them out. It is from these unguarded expressions of the feelings of the negro that we should learn a lesson. At its conclusion they walked towards the house in silence. As they were ascending the steps, the young man said, They are happy after all. The negro, situated as yours are, is not aware that he is deprived of any just rights. Yes, answered Georgiana. You may place the slave where you please. You may dry up to your utmost the fountains of his feelings, the springs of his thought. You may yoke him to your labor as an ox who liveth only to work, and worketh only to live. You may put him under any process which, without destroying his value as a slave, will debase and crush him as a rational being. You may do this, and the idea that he was born to be free will survive it all. It is allied to his hope of immortality. It is the ethereal part of his nature, which oppression cannot reach, 
It is a torch lit up in his soul by the hand of deity, and never meant to be extinguished by the hand of man. On reaching the drawing-room they found Sam snuffing the candles, and looking as solemn and as dignified as if he had never sung a song or laughed in his life. "'Will Miss Georgie have de supper got up now?' asked the negro. "'Yes,' she replied. "'Well,' remarked Carlton, "'that beats anything I ever met with. "'Do you think that was Sam we heard singing?' "'I am sure of it,' was the answer. "'I could not have believed that that fellow was capable of so much deception,' continued he. "'Our system of slavery is one of deception, and Sam, you see, has only been a good scholar. However, he is as honest a fellow as you will find among the slave population here. If we would have them more honest, we should give them their liberty, and then the inducement to be dishonest would be gone. I have resolved that these creatures shall be free.' "'Indeed!' exclaimed Carlton. "'Yes, I shall let them all go free, and set an example to those about me.' "'I honour your judgment,' said he. "'But will the State permit them to remain?' If not, they can go where they can live in freedom. I will not be unjust because the state is. End of chapter 16